Good thing Cindy isn't in here for this service, so um, she's out in kids' zone, so she won't hear all that. But, uh, you know, um, we're into our series, and uh, we got one more week in this segment. Can't touch this. Next week, we're going to be looking at uh, homosexuality and what the church has to say or what God has to say about that and how we walk through that subject. So that will be our last one for this segment, and we'll be back into seeking. So, um, you know, exciting stuff. Uh, Again, these subjects that are too hot to touch. And this morning, we're uh, looking at the idea of alone and more than okay. A lot of times when we hear the idea of alone, maybe we're okay, but can we be alone and be more than okay? Especially when it comes to this idea of being single and what that looks like and how we experience that, especially as a Christ follower. If you haven't said yes to Christ yet, if you're still kicking the tires, this subject, uh, I may not have much to say about alone and more than okay. Uh, Maybe it sounds like I'm overselling it. Maybe it sounds like uh, uh, just a bold uh, idea. But I think if you're a Christ follower... You can be alone and not just making it. You can be alone and okay and more than okay. And we're going to take a look at that this morning as we try to unpack this uh, scenario. Now, I I have to admit, uh, I have not really experienced a lot of alone time as in being single. Grew up in a house where mom and dad were there and, you know, didn't learn how to do laundry until I went to college. Shame on me, but that's the case. All those things were there and then uh, went to school and I crammed four years of college into five. And uh, my last year, you got that, huh? And then my last year, my senior, which was my fifth year, I was actually married. Cindy and I were married. So I, I don't have this history of being uh, single. I, I've been married way, way longer than I was, quote-unquote, single, if those four kind of years really even count. So as I talk about this, I've done some reading. I've listened to a lot of messages about this. So, you know, I, I come at it cr- from that direction. Uh, you know, j- just some of the statistics. Since 1960, the percentage of adults in our country who are married has dropped from 72% to 50%, and it continues to drop. And also, the average for first-time marriage has gone up from, uh, you know, a, a lower number to about 30 for men and 28 for women. And, uh, y- you know, that that's the world we live in. So there is more single time, and we can, you know, we could look at culture and try to figure out why that is, but I, I don't really want to get into all of that this morning. But the idea is, what are we, what are we supposed to, to do with that uh, when we think about this? Uh, you know, when we think about romance, when we think about, you know, uh, I think that's the Great American Channel, the Hallmark Channel, whatever you get your, that kind of show from. I, didn't, I was going to label it, but I won't label it. But anyways, uh, that kind of show uh, from, you know, there's a kind of a, a, a view out there. I, you watch those movies, they're all kind of the same, at least from my perspective. But, uh, you know, they're out there, and sometimes it it looks like this.
Everybody's going to be going out to get bubble gum after this. No, it wasn't bubble gum. It was mint. Okay, it gives me a little tear in my eye. But uh, anyway, you know, you know, that's kind of is that kind of what's supposed to be going on? I, I don't know. But again, this whole projection of aloneness, singleness, finding the right person, storybook ending, all these kinds of things, and and then if you're single and you've experienced this. For whatever reason, you may be signal, uh, single, <laughs> uh, whatever reason that may be, you may feel like uh, this guy. Well, here's Kevin. He's your average guy. He thinks he's happy. But in reality, Kevin is a single, and there's no way a single can be happy. He's completely soul-crushingly alone. No, I mean, I'm actually fine. I, I don't really want a relationship. You're going to die being a single doesn't just affect Kevin when he's at home. Many life-affirming activities are impossible alone. It can be tiring being this lonely. <laughs> he's just a hollow shell. Deliveroo, you can give the third wheel in your life some love. But not too much, though. You don't want to give him false hope. That is so sad. And some of you are going, that is just, that was just mean to show something like that. But you who aren't single, treat people who are single like that guy. A lot of times you're like, wow, they're, they're missing something. They're, 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 you know, until they find that person, uh, they're just, they're just, life is just a despair. And that's not true. Uh, the scriptures don't teach that. Jesus doesn't teach that. So when you and I look at this idea of being alone and more than okay, that's just not positive thinking. That's scriptural thinking. That's Jesus thinking, God thinking. And so we've kind of got to get there, and we who may not be single have got to make sure that we're not presenting that, pushing that. Uh, sometimes it's hard to be a part of a church that's so family-centered. It's a great thing, but, you know, you, you, you're not as welcoming to those that are still single. Uh, my dad, you know, uh, he wasn't married till he was 33. And that was back in the 60s, not the 1860s, the 1960s. He is old, but not that old. And, and he, 
the reason I say he's sitting back there is for those of you who go, what's he doing by his dad? But anyway, it was a 33, and, you know, I, you know, I can remember him telling me that, you know, he'd go to weddings in his late 20s, and these sweet old ladies would say, oh, you're next, Johnny. Oh, and, he, you know, and he got so tired of hearing that that whenever he would go to a funeral, he'd go up to those older ladies and go, you're next, Johnny. No, no, he didn't do that. I just totally made that up. He didn't really do that. <laughs> he might have thought about it. So, But anyway, so... So again, so what do we do with this reality? How do we function being alone and more than okay? And how do we even identify the idea that even those of us who are in a relationship, those who are, who are married, can feel at times alone? Those of us who are married would say to the person that isn't married, Yes, it's, it's better, but it isn't alone proof. There are moments where you, even though you're married, no matter how wonderful your marriage is, you can feel alone. And it's in all these subjects, I want to remind you of our option matrix. You can get this online. You can get this out at guest services. It's a little card. It's got both sides. I'm not going to walk through it now. There's also uh, points to a message that really explains this. Also, as we talk about some of these things, especially next week, I encourage you, we'll actually have some things online on our Right Now media channel where you can actually find some more information, some more studies on these subjects. So I'd encourage you to use that. That's something that the church provides for anyone who's connected with the church. So you, you can have a family member that lives across the country. You can let them sign on to our account. It's, it's not playing games. They, they encourage that. And this is, has over 20,000 Bible studies on it on any subject. Next week I'll have some suggestions. And so you can take a look at those. But I would encourage you, you're missing out. And, you know, it's, it's hard to get into something like this, but I might say, I might just, just to get into this, I might say, I'm going to try to take a look at one topic twice a week. Just blocking a, block a time. Some videos are six minutes long, ten minutes long, longer, and just kind of get into the rhythm. It's a great resource. Also, we do have our resource center, our library. There's materials out there you can take out. So please take advantage of this. When you hear something and it triggers something, we're going to say hopefully the, the Holy Spirit, God speaking to your heart goes, I'd like to learn a little bit more. I'd like to unpack this in another way. We, you, we've got you covered, so you can, you can do that. So anyway, back to our subject, alone and more than okay. We're going to start off by looking at Jesus' words, and Jesus is going to describe uh, three uh, kinds of singles. So we're going to look at Matthew 19, 11 through 12. This is out of today's Passion Translation, and that's what that little TPT stands for, and you'll see that we use different translations as we walk our way through this. One other thing I want to say is um, I will be quoting some people, and when I quote somebody, now you're going to be like really on your edge of seat. You're going to don't start looking it up right now. But when I quote people, these are not always people that uh, I would want to follow in everything they do. But when I come across an idea that's said a certain way, rather than me just saying it and changing three words, so I can say Dave Spencer said this, when really, uh, you know, Joe Schmuckatelli said this, 
I'd rather just say Joe Smuckatelli said this, but don't go and find one thing about this person. It discounts what he says. The reason I'm quoting this person is because of the way he or she says this, I think adds to our conversation, adds to our discussion. So Matthew 19, 11 through 12. Uh, passages are written right there in your message guide if you want to follow along that way. And again, if you just want to sit back and enjoy, uh, later on this week, you can download the message guide with all the answers filled in on our website. So depending on which way you learn and think better for you. Not everyone is meant to remain single. Only those whom God gives grace to be unmarried. For some are born to celibacy. Others have been made celibate by others, and there are some who have chosen to live in celibacy for the sacred purpose of heaven's kingdom realm. Let those who can accept this truth for themselves. So this idea of three types of singleness Jesus is talking about here. And the first one we're going to see is born single. Someone who is born single. And uh, again, as we as we start to take a look at this, we're going to see a couple things about this. First of all, uh, this is a person that is born this way. So sometimes this could be that physically they're born this way and they will be signaled. Uh, I'm going to say signal all the time instead of just single. Thank you. That's going to happen all the time. Bear with me. And um, so a person like this, uh, as we see, are uh, somebody that's from born to this, um, and they will not pursue a sexual relationship with another person. Now, I, I, you know, some defect, some reason, um, sometimes somebody's just, they just, just, just are not attracted to having a romantic relationship, and, and, you know, and that's just the way it is. So Jesus is saying there's some people like that, and then this is really important. You need to listen to every word I say right now. This isn't to concede to the idea that uh, people can be born with um, same-sex attraction, so this is a big controversy, but if all of a sudden science proved that to be true, I'm not saying it has, if science had proved that to be true, it still doesn't matter what our response is to that. So when you and I are born a certain way, when we lean a certain direction, when something attracts us or some behavior that is contrary to Scripture, it, it doesn't really matter. You can't say, I'm just that way. So if, if I say, well, I lie, I exaggerate, I can't get away with saying, well, that's just the way God made me. No, no, I, I, maybe I'm wired to exaggerate, I like telling stories and so you can't, I can't get a pass from that kind of behavior. So it is the same true, and we'll again unpack this next week. So somebody that, that has a leaning towards same-sex attraction, whether they call themselves uh, a homosexual, gay, or what, whatever, what they do with that, whether they are made that way, science says that, or whether that's not the case, on one hand, doesn't matter that much. What matters is what you do with that behavior that response to that and so jesus says if you're born to be single then you're born to be single that's that's the way you are to function um uh, this gentleman says this my life isn't a life of misery 
I'm not doomed to celibacy or a life of heartbreaking loneliness. I reject the representation of a life striving for celibacy as miserable. And a part of my mission in life is to debunk debunk all of the dreary images out there of what celibacy is all about. So this is an individual who says, I was born to be single, and that is not the end of my world. I can actually live a single life, and I can live a good single life. So again, we need to present that way. We need to, as, as, a, as a church family, sometimes we think somebody's missing something. So, something's not gone right because they're single. And, and that, is, that is not true. Some people choose to be that way, and, and that's okay. And, and sometimes a person who is uh, single feels like God has let them down or robbed them of some special joy. And we're going to see as we unpack that, that is not true either. Another gentleman says this, is celibacy difficult? Yes, so is marriage, farming, teaching, so is grad school. Life is pain, princess. That's from Princess Bride. Is it frustrating at times? Yes. Have there been times when I wanted to give up? Yes. But it is worth it. Yes. And I'll do not. I, and do I regret it? No. So we need to we need to just put that on the table. This isn't the one area. If it's not a part of your life, your life is destined to misery, absolute sadness, in despair. And these are not Dave Spencer saying this because I have not experienced this. These are people that are living this kind of life out. They're saying, my life is still full because of that. Then there's also the idea of being faithfully single. <laughs> Thank you, single. <laughs> faithfully, okay? And this is where probably the majority, hopefully, of Christ followers find themselves in. They are fig single, thank you. You're going to just go, what is wrong with this guy? He cannot say this word. Uh, single, and they're faithfully this way because they know what Scripture teaches about intimacy. They know that intimacy is supposed to only happen in the boundaries of marriage. And so a Christ follower, for various reasons, they've, they've, they're growing up, they've never gotten married, uh, sometimes uh, maybe th there's been a death, you've, you've lost your spouse, uh, maybe there's been a breakup in a marriage, we talked about that last week, and as a Christ follower, you are called to be faithfully single. And so we see this, it just I mean, I could go all, all over the place. Honor marriage and guard the sacredness of sexual intimacy between wife and husband. God draws a firm line against casual and illicit sex. And what uh, we're getting at here is marriage and this sacred relationship is supposed to point to the second chapter of life and our relationship with God. So our closeness, our ties to God, marriage points to that. And some days, we'll see in a few moments, marriage won't be. In the second chapter of life, it changes that. It's different than in the first chapter. It's to point to that relationship with Christ. That's why being faithful is so, so important. So you have born, you have faithfully, and then next you have radically. 
radically single. Sometimes I wish everyone was single like me, a simpler life in many ways, but celibacy is not for everyone and any more than marriage is. God gives the gift of the single life to some, the gift of the married life to others. And what he's getting into here, what Paul is speaking to, like himself, he says there are some times where somebody says, I'm going to be single for the benefit of my calling. I've been called to live a certain way, and because I've been called to live a certain way, I, I'm not going to be married. Uh, I've, I've, I can remember, uh, sometimes we see this uh, with some of our Catholic friends when it comes to a nun or a priest, and in our Protestant world, we go, how could anyone ever, ever, ever live that way? How could they do that? But even in my circle, growing up at a, at a Baptist church, uh, there was these two ladies that worked for child evangelism, and they gave their life to teaching children. They would run Bible camps all over Maine and New Hampshire and into Massachusetts, and that was their focus. They, they, they could do more for the kingdom. They were called to do that, and, and they looked at it as a gift. Yes, sometimes they uh, wish they had been married, but, but that, that was eclipsed by what God had called them to do. And sometimes when we hear that, I mean, I hear that personally, because again, not my experience, I just cannot imagine that. That would be the last way I'd want to live. But some give, God gives the gift of singleness to some and marriage to others. I've already touched on this. Marriage and singleness are gifts, temporary gifts, for the fulfillment of God's purposes in your life. God's purposes come through in the way you are single or the way you are married. And so when we come to this, we can be alone and more than okay. We can be married and more than okay. That we can be that way. And so as we start to think about this, we see that Jesus talked about these three groups of people. Jesus was one of these people too. He lived 33 and a half years being single. And he wasn't all beat up. It wasn't horrible. We could look at Hebrews and see he was tempted in every way. So that means he was tempted as a single person. If he wasn't, then we could say, wow, Jesus was tempted in every way but this way, the way I'm tempted, so I guess I get a pass in it. No, no, that's not the way it works. He was tempted in every way. And that should give us hope that in him he understands. Uh, we talk about him being our high priest, our mediator. When we pray and, and he's mediating, he, he gets it because he experienced it. So this idea, again, of um, these are temporary gifts. This first chapter of life gift, this is now second chapter of life. And we need to always be remembering that the second chapter of life is for eternity with God. New heavens and new earth someday in that chapter this first chapter is short, and we need to live with an eye to the next chapter so that it affects the way we interact in this first chapter because what is seen here is changed. And you go, what's it going to be like? I have little ideas, but I, all I know is it's going to be fantastic. Fantastic. 
fantastic. And God is preparing, Jesus went to prepare that place for us. So, so first chapter of life, second chapter of life. We can't be so into first chapter of life things that we forget about second chapter of life. Somebody who's uh, single said this, I'm not single because I'm too spiritually unstable to deserve a husband or too spiritually mature to need one. I'm single because God is good and this is his best for me. That's a, that's a powerful statement. Go back to Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. This is one of those subjects where you need to trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean on. Because God is good. He is good all the time. Do we really believe that? Do we lean into that? Do we rest our life in that truth? And uh, he's got something he's doing in our life. And no matter what's going on, uh, you know, when we talk about uh, his goodness, we talk about gifts. If, you know, you've lost a spouse, uh, the gift isn't losing the spouse. It's the fact that he's going to provide with you in your singleness. Uh, If you've had a marriage breakup, the gift isn't in the marriage breakup. It's the fact that he's going to be there for you in your singleness. He has goodness for us, and it's, you know, it talks about, there's verses that talk about the difference of metamorphosis, the idea of a, of a uh, you know, a caterpillar versus a butterfly, and, you know, we've all seen the little kids' stories, you know, H- how does a caterpillar understand what a butterfly is like? There's some of that going on when we think of first chapter life, second chapter of life, eternity with God, new heavens, new earth. So Paige here is saying, And I'm sure she has to sometimes wake up in the morning and go, I need to go back to Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 because I can trust in God even though I'm not feeling it. I know it in my head, but I don't feel it in my heart. We've all been there. That's normal human being experience. But as it all comes together, we go, I am going to trust even when I don't feel it. I'm going to run through a couple passages, and then we're going to uh, make some... uh, Um, just some statements as we wrap things up. I'm not almost over, but just bear with me. But if you decide to get married, this is not a sin. There's nothing wrong with a young woman taking a husband, but know that marriage is not easy, and those who marry will face hard times. I'm only trying to protect you. I don't want to point out, friends, that the time is of the essence. There is no time to waste. So don't complicate your life unnecessarily. Keep it simple in marriage, grief, joy, whatever, even in ordinary things, your daily routines of shopping and so on. That's the idea of being first chapter of life versus second chapter of life. Deal as sparingly as possible with the things the world thrusts on you. First chapter, second chapter. There's some probably some first chapter things in all of our life that have been thrust upon us, and we really don't need to pick that thing up and carry it around. You need to decide that on your own, but there's some things you don't need to be carrying, some things you don't need to be concerned about, some things you don't need to be throwing your life into. They're thrust on you, but you don't have to pick them up. 
You can figure those things out if you walk with Jesus. This world, as you see, it is on its way out. I want you to live as free of complications as possible. When you are unmarried, you're free to concentrate on simply pleasing the master. Marriage involves you in all the nuts and bolts of domestic life in wanting to please your spouse. Hopefully you want to please your spouse. Leading to so many more demands on your attention. The time and energy that married people spend on caring for and nurturing each other, the unmarried person can spend in becoming whole and holy instruments of God. I'm trying to be helpful and make it as easy as possible for you, not making things harder. All I want is for you to be able to develop a way of life in which you can spend plenty of time together with the master without a lot of distractions. But I have this advice for every single man. If anyone thinks he's behaving badly towards his fiancée, if his desires prove to be too much for him, and if he feels they ought to marry, then he should do what he wants. It's not wrong to marry her. It's better that we let men and women in this situation do as they wish and get married. On the other hand, if a man is comfortable in his decision for a single life in service to God, and it's, in, it's entirely his own conviction, remember, go back to that option matrix, and not imposed on him by others, he ought to stick with it. Marriage is spiritual and more right and not inferior to singleness in any way. Although, as I indicated earlier, because of the time we live in, I do have pastoral reasons for encouraging singleness. So you have this back and forth. Alone and more than okay. So what are the gifts of being single but if you decide to get married this is not a sin and he's only trying to protect you he's trying to say about being free from the complexity of marriage you see these verses you can look over on that other page to reread them on your own but being married is more complex there's things to do there's all kinds of things. It's, it's, it's husband and wife. There are all these things that are thrust on. There's, there's bills to be paid. There's this you can do. You can't go here. Uh, I can remember when Cindy and I were first married, and I was 22, and, and, you know, and all of a sudden my brother wanted to go off and go to the movies or do this or do that, and I'm like, I just can't go. I have to check with the boss. To check with Cindy and ask her, can I go to the movies? Can I do this? My, my life is now more complex. I can't just go spend money on that or this. I need to check in. We need to. We have this partnership going, and that doesn't take anything away from a couple weeks ago. We talked about allowing a man to lead and be a servant leader, but still, that's a part of being a servant leader. So it's more complex. You couldn't just pick up and go. And then once kids come, it's even more complex. So Paul is saying, saying, if God has called you to the single life, it will free you from the complexity of marriage. 
Now, I, I, I talked to, to Bill Updike a little bit about this before, and I just said, you know, can I, can I talk about this stuff? Bill was able in his younger years to be able to go, like, to India, and he almost died in India. He, I don't know what happened there, but he almost died and, and all these kinds of things. And, you know, his wife probably wouldn't have let you do that. You know, so, you know, he could go to India for a month or two and do these kinds of things and serve the Lord and, and help out with these kinds of things. He had the freedom to do that. When you're married, well, anyway, when you're married, you don't have the freedom to do those kinds of things. Uh, there's there's more bills to pay. There's more all of these kinds of things, and uh, you don't have the freedom to you know to be out late and doing this and doing that. It is more complex. So Paul is saying you are free from that, and if God has called you to that kind of a gift, then that is great. And then also, you're free to pursue God. Um, I remember when, especially when the kids were little, Cindy and I had to work out a routine. If we were going to pursue God, that means spend time with God every day in the morning, we had to make it so that one of us could have an in uninterrupted time with Jesus and the other one could. So we would run interference for each other. It was just it, we had to do that. There were there were things that went on. Uh, I I needed to I I couldn't be out as many to many as many events. I I had to have, have to have a little less contact with other people because I had a family. I had a wife to take care of. I couldn't be out and going all over the place. I couldn't just jump in the car and drive. I mean I remember working and helping at snow camps on the weekend. And Cindy was down in Philadelphia. I was down in Maine. She's poor married. And I could go across New Hampshire, help for the weekend, come back. Do, you know, I could just do that. I could have those things a part of my life. And you're freer to do that. When you're unmarried, you're free to concentrate on simply pleasing the master. And I love being married. Wouldn't trade it for anything. But that is the truth. What are some of the challenges of being single? Uh, very obvious in this world we live in. Uh, there is sexual temptation. I, I mean, you can't get away from it. Um, today, uh, when you watch the Super Bowl, if you watch the Super Bowl, if, when you watch those commercials, a lot of them are going to be like, ooh, do I close my eyes? Do I watch the halftime? What am I supposed to do? If you have young kids with you, you're like, ooh. I remember as a youth pastor when we would watch the Super Bowl as a youth group and 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 we would like we would cut out the halftime show. Some people like halftime because it was just so racy and crazy that we just didn't want to deal with it. We would do something else. Of course, we would do a devotional kind of thing, but uh, which works good. But again, some of the kids are like, why? No halftime show. Because of just all of that, you cannot get away from it. It is just crazy. And it's because the world has bought into this idea that sexual expression and sexual experience trumps everything. You can't have a full life unless you have that. Rebecca says this, in modern society, we are led to believe we cannot live without sex. In fact, I believe we are more likely to, we are more likely to wither without friend and family love. So this idea that we, we wither without it and we can't function with it. And, and she's saying actually the reality is we're more likely to wither without friend and family love. But if you watch commercials, if you watch our society, that message is not sent there at all. A 
Another gentleman says this, the whole idea that sexual expression is essential to human flourishing comes from Freud, not from the Christian worldview. That's where that comes from. Not scripture, not biblical. Yet we all kind of believe it. Even those of us who would say, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to walk and follow God. You, it's kind of back in there. You, you hear about someone not being married, not being able to join all that marriage has, and you go, ooh, that must be hard. That must really stick. That, that comes from not a Christian worldview. So there's that issue. That, that, that makes, it, makes it harder. Then there's also something called loneliness, right? And uh, I love this verse uh, out of the message. At the resurrection, we're beyond marriage. This is this whole conversation Jesus has. You can take a look at that. As with angels, our ecstasies and intimacies then will be with God. We, We almost don't get that. But in the next chapter of life, we really experience holistically the completeness of having our relationship with God. Sin, little pockets of distractions are gone. And so loneliness won't be gone. When you and I have, whether it's in a a relationship, whether it's in marriage, whether it's in marriage intimacy, when there's a piece that seems to never kind of just itch the final little scratch that's all pointing to the second chapter of life, where our completeness is found in Christ experientially. We claim that now. We own that now. We have hope for that now. We get pockets of that now. But in eternity, it is complete. John Piper says it this way, marriage is temporary, but what it stands for lasts forever. Christ and the church. The church is called the bride of Christ. At which point marriage fades away, it becomes unnecessary, the way you no longer need a picture of someone when you finally see them face to face. So so that's next chapter. That doesn't take anything away from first chapter marriages at all. But that is where we are heading if we have said yes to Christ. So, Real quickly, encouragement to single people. You may not find these so encouraging, but I think also those of us who are not single can find these encouraging too. Um, If you are in life and you are single at any stage in age of life, God is not waiting for you to find a spouse. You have something to offer now, here. Sometimes you hear people, oh, once I get married, when this gets settled, then, you know, especially younger people. No, no, no. You have something to offer in the here and now. You may even have more to offer in ways because you are single. So don't wait. Also, the idea of practicing self-care, and what I mean by this uh, is healthy relationships. I'm not, if you're single and you know, you're at that age where you go, man, I just need to, you know, get in better shape, you know, and, you know, get a rocking body. So, you know, the opposite sex go, woo, that guy, that woman, that she, woo, you know, you know, you know, so that's self-care. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about healthy relationships. 
And church family, we need to do a better job, I'll encourage us in a little bit, at helping single people find that the church is their church family. When Jesus was called by his family, like families outside, hey, Jesus, your mother and brother's here. All of a sudden, Jesus goes, who's my mother and brother? He's basically saying, those who are on mission with me have a closer bond than actually blood relationships. Some of us just go, ooh, that doesn't, that doesn't feel that great. But that's what Jesus said. Jesus says, who's my brother and mother or who's my family members? Those who follow God on mission. So healthy relationships. I remember there was a time when Mariah was just, before Mariah was born, we had a young teacher living with us. She had her own room and her bathroom and all this kind of stuff, and she lived with us. She was like having an aunt live with us. She loved the twins, and then when Mariah was born, I mean, there's pictures of her holding with her little baby. She was a part of our family. She lived with us for like a year and a half, two years. It was great. She was awesome. It was just a great time, and she was just a part of the family. She wasn't isolated on her. We, we, we included her in the life of the Spencers. And uh, you just think about how you can do that, how you can include people so that they have healthy relationships. A part of this also is reject the online dating myth. There's nothing wrong with online dating. I've married a few people that have found their significant other online, and it's been a great ride for them, a great marriage for them. But you looking online, looking for the perfect person, that's a myth. There are no perfect people out there. So just because they meet these criteria, they look a certain way, oh, that's the perfect person. Uh, yeah, you know, th that, that's just a myth. Don't fall for that. And those of us who are married, when you think your spouse, I must have got the wrong person because I didn't do online dating and find the perfect person for me. I didn't do this thing. I should, you know, don't fall for that either. There are no perfect people. You're not perfect. Your spouse is not perfect. Your future potential spouse is not perfect. Reject the online dating myth. When it's time, don't wait. Gentlemen, don't leave a woman alone. Now, this doesn't mean on your first date you say, hey, I'd like to get married someday. You know, that, that's weird, right? You know, <laughs> so don't do that. And if uh, somebody does that to you, you know, I agree, that's weird. So, but, uh, but you, you know, these, you know, these 20-year engagements, you know, never set in a day, you know, uh, kind of dating, but not, I think I read someplace, someone called it a sneak a date. You kind of like never ask the person out, but you're like hanging up. You go to their community group. You like show up wherever they are. So you kind of never have to risk asking the person out. It's called like sneak a date. It's like you're dating, but you're not dating. Don't do that. Don't do that. When it's time, don't wait. Okay. And uh, also, lastly, Never settle. Uh, first of all, the person must belong to the Lord. If you're a Christ follower, you want to marry a Christ follower. You're setting things in motion that are going to be difficult. One of you is going to want to raise your children in a way that follows Christ. The other one's not going to care. Uh, just all kinds of places. And someone who really belongs to the Lord, someone who's into their faith the way you are, 
and you know, and also watch out, you know, if they're insecure, you know, all these kinds of things before they get married. Most of those kinds of whatever you want to call those issues get amplified after they get married. So don't think they're going to like disappear and and just just never settle. Again, that doesn't mean the online dating myth. Don't do that. But it means you know Christ following. If 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 you're if you're wanting to get married, why would you do that? You know. And, and if if you're not a, a Christian and you're sitting next to someone who brought you as a Christian, and and you're saying, boy, that's kind of mean to say, I'm going to say, you know, you know, Christians want non-Christians to be with them. That's one reason you're at church right now. <laughs> that's one reason somebody has you listening because your 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 Christian uh, person wants you to become Christian. So 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 just just it's just going to create a tension. So I, I've got to think if you can go back to Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord. I think you can trust God with your singleness, and you can trust God with getting married. So encouragement to married people. I kind of already said this along the way, but never, ever think of singles as second-class Christians. Don't make them feel that way. Don't, oh, you're telling me next all the time. Don't, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't act like they're not complete. Don't act like they, you know, they're like, you know, they finally will arrive once they find that person. Don't push them that way. Let them get there as they walk with Christ themselves. You get the idea. And then also just include singles in the life of your family and church. Figure that out. Don't let them suffer in loneliness. They shouldn't be lonely. They should have healthy relationships. They should have a place where they feel um, at home, at sa it's safe. Uh, have them over to your house. And uh, so don't, don't do that to them. Don't make them feel awkward. Invite them to intergenerational community groups. Yes, it's good when you have, you know, people kind of like moving in the same directions in life. But it's also good for, for you know, folks to have, um, you know, interactions with different age groups just to like see what's going on. Just watch out for them. I like what Preston says here. Uh, this is in your notes. The good news about a single Savior who provides abundant life for all who died with him. Jesus didn't view his celibacy as a no, no to joy, no to sex, no to intimacy, but rather he viewed it as life-giving. Yes, yes to relationships, yes to friends, yes to serving others, and yes to enjoying life to the fullest. In just a few moments, we're going to be wrapping things up. I'm going to give you the bottom line. I just want to remind you that uh, Paul and Sue Rukoff are going to be available to, to pray with, to talk with, if you have something that's weighing heavy on your heart. Uh, if God's laid something on your heart, just don't let it go. Just don't walk through the doors there. Uh, just uh, They would just love to just encourage you and be a part of that. There's others who can do that also, so don't let that opportunity go. But this, again, this whole idea of giftedness as being single is a gift, being married is a gift, 
And so when we think about that and we realize that your gift is always about the gift giver. And notice that's capitalized because that is God himself. God is good and he is good all the time, even in the midst of human tragedy and difficulty. He is good and he's the gift giver of all. Father, we just uh, thank you for your love for us. We thank you for uh, just the way you come alongside of us at any age or stage. And I just pray for the single person, uh, for whatever reason they're single. Maybe they're just uh, young and getting started in life. Maybe there's been a, a loss of a loved one. Maybe there's a, been a love broken, a marriage relationship, whatever it may be. I just ask that they would find strength in you. They would find completeness in you, and I ask that they would find a church family like ours loving and aware of them and including them in the life of family and relationship and community and church life. And for those of us who are married, I, I pray that uh, we wouldn't fall back into, oh, the old perfect spouse kind of a thing that doesn't mean that we'd allow for sloppiness in our own lives or not being caring for our spouse, but uh, help us not to get caught up with all of that. Help us not to adopt a, um, a, a world view on life. Help us to have a Christ worldview. And Father, would we find that you are our answer in the way we express that is in being a loving spouse. Lord, we thank you for your goodness. We're thankful for the promise of the second chapter of life. Let us live in such a way that we have an eye to the future and that that eye to the future points other people toward Jesus. We thank you in Jesus' wonderful name.